invite you to grab a seat. Man, I love this church family. Shay, Camille, thank you guys for sharing. That was just so rich. Brandon, Maury, thank you guys for leading us this morning. Um, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 15. If you wanna go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one from one of the communion tables. It's on page 730. If you're using one of those Bibles, Luke chapter 15. You guys doing all right this morning? Good. A um, couple of things before we, we jump into a time of teaching. And so um, today and tomorrow, these are the days that we're gonna mail our letters. And so if you haven't done that already, if you took a packet, you've been praying for your list of 15 people, to, today's the day to write them. And so some of you, you've procrastinated and today's your day, right? And, and for the rest of you, you know, that if you haven't done this, go ahead and put those in the mail. I invite you to really just pray as you're putting those in the mail. You have no idea the hearts that are going to receive those, the people that are gonna receive those. But I'm just trusting and hoping that, that God is gonna use these in some unbelievable ways, that all of your prayers are not just these, these useless words that have been uttered up, but that God is using them to change something. And, and so I wanna tell you just one quick story and then invite us into something as church family kind of here going forward. And so um, I heard about this story that happened at a different church. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, this man shows up at a church in Nashville and he knocks on the door and says, hey, is there anyone here that can tell me about Jesus? And we're like, yeah, you came to the right place, right? And so they, they brought this guy in and, and they're literally just, just studying the word, just opening the scriptures with this guy. And he says, I've, I've got to give my life to Jesus. Can I get baptized? And so they baptize him at their church. Two days later, this guy dies. And his family goes to this church and they're like, hey, will you, who is the man that was studying with, with our father, with my husband? And you know, they're like, this, this is a guy. And so they come in and they said, we wanna know Jesus. We wanna know him. And they give their lives to Jesus. And, and so here's what's crazy. And so we wanted to do some research, like, okay, someone, they live in Nashville, someone was praying for them. And so the Awaken team did some research and guess where that man and his family, guess the names of the churches that, that, that got his. I didn't say that very clearly. You know what I'm trying to say. It was ethos and it was cross point. That's someone from our church and there are hundreds of other churches. I'm not elevating us, but I just want you to know one of you was praying for this guy and he came to know the Lord. And one of you was praying for their family and their whole family came to know the Lord. Think about that, right? Come on, let's go, Lord. Like, this is, this, is, this is what it's about. Your prayers are not weak. Your prayers are heard. Your prayers are working. So thank you. Thank you for what you labored. Even if you're like, man, I only prayed one day, God worked through it. And so don't, don't beat yourself up if you weren't perfect, if you didn't have this ideal fast. God worked through it. God is working. He's always working. This is what Jesus told us in John 6. My Father is always working. So going forward, I don't know how, we'll see what you guys think about this. I wanna invite us as Marathon, as a church family, to take the first day of every month to pray and fast. You're like, wait a minute, today's February 24th, that's Saturday. <laughs> I'm done with this fast, why are we starting it again? I, I don't want us as a church family to discover something in God where we, our hearts are really turned towards the lost and they're really turned towards the city and only do that once a year. 
And so last year we said, hey, would you pick a day and, and just commit to doing it? And I know some of you probably did, and if you're like me, you didn't. And I'm one of the leaders, so that's just confession. If you didn't, you're right there with me. But I go, let's do it together. I think that's part of what discovered in all of this is that when we, when we do it together, and so the first day of every month, I wanna encourage you to, to keep your names, to keep praying and fasting, right? And so here's the reality. There's not gonna be a, a prayer guide. You know, Dave wrote this amazing guide for us to use, and, 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 and we're not gonna have that going forward, but, but you know what it's like to, to get up and to spend time with God to open the scriptures, to pray. If you don't know how to do that, man, uh, ask one of your roommates, ask someone in your house church, hey, I, I, I wanna learn how to take the initiative of my relationship with God, and I don't know how to do that. Or, or come talk to Nana or Andrew or me. We'll refer to you some, some resources or Sam that, that you can use to, to, to get you going. So we're gonna take the first day of every month to pray and fast for the people in our city that don't yet know Jesus. And you don't have to do this. And we're going, if you consider Marathon Church family, would you really strongly consider doing that? And we can encourage each other and, and we can press into the Lord, whatever it is that you need to fast from. If you need to fast from food, if you're gonna fast from social media, whatever it is, first save every month to pray and fast. Man, I love, I love you all. Um, I come in this morning feeling a little out of control. My wife has the flu, so she's been quarantined to our bedroom. I've been sleeping on a mattress in the floor in our den, which our kids have loved because it's been WrestleMania all week. <laughs> But I woke up this morning and my youngest has a fever and I'm going, oh Lord, please just don't let this fill our family. And, and my Sunday routine has been way off. And so this morning I'm going, if anything good happens, it is only because of God. And that's always the case, but especially so this morning. And so I wanna invite us to pray. I'm gonna invite you to, to stick your hands out if you feel comfortable. It's just our way of saying, God, I'm here for you. I'm here not just to check the Sunday box. I'm here for you, the living God. And so, God, thank you for these men, these women, these children. Thank you that we get to gather here in the name of Jesus, the King, the Savior. Don't understand why we get to share in your reward, Jesus. Don't understand why you would forgive people like me, forgive people like us. But I pray that in this place, this morning, and the rest of our lives, you would be so lifted high. God, I pray that, that anything that is said this morning that just sticks in our hearts, that moves us closer to you, that you would just affirm that that is from you. Anything that is said this morning that, man, I might speak carelessly or because I'm not as prepared as I want to be, would you let those things be forgotten? Would you let your grace just cover them? And God, in all this, I, I just pray for revival. I pray that for those of us who our hearts are, are cold and hard, that you would soften them. I pray for the men and women in our city that don't know you. They don't know what you're like. God, would you draw every person to your heart? And I thank you for this morning, for what you're going to do. I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. For the past three weeks, we've been looking at three different stories that Jesus told one day as a crowd gathered around him. A crowd that was made up of two different types of people, types of people that were resistant to Jesus and types of people that were receptive to Jesus. The type of people who were resistant to Jesus had no need for Jesus to save them. They had no need for Jesus to lead them because, and it wasn't because they weren't religious. In fact, it was the very opposite. It was because they were incredibly religious. 
They were the people that went to church every time the door was open. They were the type of people that, that knew the scriptures. They were the type of people that were actually generous. They, they, they were the type of people that, that knew the words to say to make you think that they were in a good place with God. And on the outside, they were impressive. They knew how to keep up their spiritual appearance, but Jesus could see through it. And he knew that their hearts, he knew that these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, these people who were resistant to Jesus, he knew that they were very far from God. And then there were people that were receptive to Jesus. People who'd been beaten up by life. Some because of poor choices that they had made themselves. Others because of poor choices, they were suffering the consequences of other people's poor choices. They were the tax collectors, they were sinners. They had spent all of their life or part of their life running from religion. They had wandered from God. They were confused about who God was and therefore they wanted nothing to do with, with God. And yet these people, it's so interesting. It was these people that were, were receptive to Jesus that were, were gathering around him. And what they discovered in Jesus was a forgiveness, a compassion, a friend that they'd always hoped that God was like. Like deep down, every one of us, we, we want that. We want to believe that, that God is compassionate, that God is forgiving, that God is a friend to us. And this is what these people, these people who were receptive to Jesus, they were discovering that this is actually who God is. See, for the past three weeks, the stories that Jesus told were really more directed towards the tax collectors and the sinners. He told stories about a, a sheep and a coin and a rebellious son. And in all these stories, what Jesus was wanting us to understand is that those who had run from religion and those who had rebelled against God and those who, who'd spent their lives being distant from God, he wanted them, he wanted you, he wanted me to know what God does when you come back to God. He celebrates and he delights that you're back in relationship with him because that's where you belong all along. And some of you need to hear that message. You need to know that, that God is glad that you're home because you spent a lot of life wandering from God and running from God. And now you're back and you're going, man, how does God feel about me? He is crazy excited that you're home. And there's an, a party in heaven that was thrown for you the day you came back to him. It's in the Bible. If you weren't here the past three weeks, go back and listen to that. But the part of the story that we're gonna be looking at today, Jesus isn't talking necessarily to the tax collectors and sinners. No, he's, he's talking to the, the religious. And I wonder how many of us will strongly identify with the character that we're gonna be looking at today way more than we even care to admit. So last week, Andrew did just a magnificent job of teaching the first part of the story. Jesus told of a younger son that had rebelled against his father, demanded his inheritance, left the family and everything looking for what he thought would satisfy him. And after being gone for a long time, it says that he came to his senses, he came back home and he was met by a father that was filled with unexpected compassion. He was met with undeserved kindness. So father welcomes him back, not as a slave, but as a son, he throws a party. But the story isn't over. John or Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says that a man had two sons. Last week, we looked at one of the sons. Today, we're gonna look at the other. Starting in verse 25 of Luke 15, this is the word of the Lord. 
Luke 15, verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. I go, what news is this? Can you imagine your, your brother or your sister leaving, having no communication, completely severed relationship? Feel that, be in that moment. Your older brother that, that, that watched out for you, that protected you, your, 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 your sister that, that you were close to, and then all of a sudden they're, they're gone from your life. And then all of a sudden you hear, they're back. Feel that. Think about when I see my sister, my brother, they live up in Kentucky. I don't get to see them as much as I want. Every time I see them, it's like this hug. I'm so glad to see you. I love this, this scene up until this point. It is so desirable. The grill is going. You can smell steak. You can smell hamburgers in the air. If you're a vegetarian, you can see that vegetable tray and you're just excited about it. Your black bean burger's on the grill. What a way to, to end the day after a long day's work in the field. Seriously, think about this. You've been in your office all day. It's tax season, you're tired. You come home and you hear that your brother's back. You're having filet for supper. There's music, there's dancing, your friends are there. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out, pleaded with him. What? Seriously? Man, the, the, the father, when, when he saw his son that had been gone for a long time, the father's response was to, to run grab him and to hug him and to take him back. This son is, this son, this older brother is not like the father. What's going on in his heart keeps him from responding the same way the father does? Why is he taking such a hard stance? Why is he making a scene? You know, what makes you angry? Think about this, what, what just gets your blood boiling? When was the last time you were angry and what was the culprit? Did you file your taxes and you realize you have to pay this year? <laughs> Maybe it's something to do with politics that was on the news this week and injustice. Someone wasn't treated with dignity and respect. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your pet, maybe it's someone that you work with. What makes you angry? You there, you feel it? Let's keep reading. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, 
you kill the fattened calf for him. Man, he, he says so much here. All these feelings that have been suppressed, that have been kept in for so long, all of a sudden start coming out. All the frustration, all the bitterness, all the resentment, all the feelings. And I really slowed down this week because I felt like the Lord said, Brandon, you have way more to do with this brother than anyone else. And so I'm thankful I got to teach it because God was like doing surgery on my heart this week. Listen to these lines. We're gonna just kind of unpack these for a few minutes. What he says to the father, all these years I've been slaving for you. Working with, working for his father wasn't something he did joyfully. It wasn't something he did because he wanted to. No, it was a duty. One that he didn't want. One that he despised. He was doing his father a favor. It wasn't about friendship. It wasn't about love. It was forced. It was to get the father's stuff, not the father's heart. Is that how we feel about God? I can't answer that question for you, but, but do a little examination. Is, is knowing and serving God, is that how you feel? Is knowing and serving God more like a chore that we've been assigned to than something that we cherish? But we do it because we want what God has. We want the Father's stuff. We want heaven, right? We're not stupid. We don't want hell. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's, it's because we like for people, our grandmother or our boss, we, we like for them to know that we're Christians because they're also Christians and, and there are perks to being a Christian in the South. And so we, we use God. Or we go to church and we read our Bible and, and we aren't rude to people and we do what God asks, but it feels much more like a slave master ownership than a loving child parent relationship. We serve God out of duty, not out of a desire. Does that relate to you? I grew up on a farm in Western Kentucky and in the summers, our whole family, my older sister, younger brother, mom and dad, we would all be out in the fields working. And I had a great childhood. In fact, I had an amazing childhood. My grandparents had a pool we'd swim in. Like, you know, I, we had a four-wheeler that we rode all over the, the county. We played sports. We had sleep. We had an amazing, like, childhood. But I looked, I specifically remember this time in my life where um, I, it felt like my mom and dad were working me like 100 hours a week. In reality, I probably was working like a four-hour day. And I remember this one day in particular, we were, we were working and I did not want to be there. You know, my friends were playing golf at the country club. They're swimming. They're watching reruns of Sports Center, all the things that I wanted to be doing. And here I am out in the field working. And I literally remember saying this to my mom and, and I, I don't want to share it, but 
but I want to share it because I, I'm sure you said something similar, maybe not something similar, but you said things that you regret. And I want you to know that we can, this is who we are. We don't hide from the things that we said and did. We bring them into the light. And so I literally remember telling my mom, she was saying, hey, there's a, there's a guy at church and he would, he would love the opportunity to be out in the field working right now. But he's in a wheelchair. And I literally told my mom, I wish I was in a wheelchair so I never had to work again. And my mom took the hoe and she started chasing me. <laughs> And I wish she would have hit me because that's probably what I deserved. But it was an obligation. It was a duty. I couldn't see past my own selfishness. I couldn't see the bigger picture. A couple years ago, I met a, a lady, part of our church family. Got to know her. I discovered that all throughout high school, she worked. She was putting herself through college working a full-time job, discovered that, that much of her money wasn't just going into her savings account, it was actually going to pay the family bills. She didn't have a dad in the picture. I don't know what happened to him. But her mom's job didn't cover all the, bill, the bills. So she was working to help out and talking to this girl. There was so much joy in being able to contribute. And I look at, at my heart's disposition and I, and I can pair it with this girl's heart's disposition and I go, man, how do we find ourselves when it comes to, to, to serving God? Do we complain? Do we go, man, I hate that, that I have to do this? Or do we go, man, it's an honor to serve you, God. It's an honor to get to be alive. It's an honor to get to contribute to your kingdom. All these years I've been slaving for you. Do we serve God out of duty or out of desire? Next line, he says, and I never disobeyed your orders. He was obedient, but begrudgingly. He was resentful. Obedience, not from a place of love, but from a place of manipulation. Listen, he was keeping count of all that he had done and all that God hadn't done. How often he had thought about this in the fields. How do we do this in life? Because we all do it. With your boss, with your family, with your spouse. Man, I'll, I'll do what makes you happy. I'll do what you ask me to do, but I'm gonna hold it against you. We might not say it. I'm gonna keep count. And I'll use it against you one day to get what I want. Right, you, you look all noble. You're in the kitchen washing your roommate's dishes. They just don't get it, right? And you're smiling, but deep down you're like, oh, if they come near me, I'm gonna throw this plate at them. <laughs> or you're changing your, your baby's diaper. But in the inside you're going, I'm keeping count. You better see how good I am. And we do this with God too. God will, will move us. God will lead us by spirit to do something, to, to give generously towards someone in need or to, to take a step and to lead a house church or, or, or to, to participate in the fast, to give something up or to be kind to that person who treated you badly. And, and you do it, we do it, but we do it begrudgingly. We're resentful that he asked us to do it. And then something will happen, man, an unexpected financial burden. 
where money gets tight or your house church is, is frustrating or you don't get the answer in the fast that you were looking for where that coworker is still mean and we're so quick to remind God what we have done for God. I realized halfway through this fast, there's some things that I've been asking God on just very specifically. God, I need your wisdom. I need your clarity. And my heart started out in the best of intentions. And it was interesting. A couple weeks ago, I was going to prayer gathering and I realized I'm not gonna talk to anybody. I'm gonna get in a corner and I'm gonna just go after God and get this answer. And, and if God doesn't answer, he's, you know, I'm gonna be so frustrated. And it's like God was going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what's going on in your heart there? Why do you, why do you keep coming to me with, with this entitlement? Like I owe you anything. Come and enjoy my presence. Come and enjoy me. Don't just want, want me for what you can get from me. What is our, our motivation in obedience with God? Is it love or is it manipulation? Next line, he says, man, you, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. He accuses his father of being stingy, of showing favoritism. And this is what he's really saying. I've earned it. I've worked for it. I've been the responsible one. I've always done what you've asked and you've never given me what I deserve, what I earned. Do we feel that way about God? Man, we, we study the scriptures. We serve on a volunteer team. We're in a house church. We're passionate about justice. Maybe, maybe even fasted twice a week throughout the fast. You know, you, you look at your life and you're going, man, I, I didn't have sex before I was married. Or I'm still pure. I've always been that good guy, that, that good girl. And where has it got me, God? God, you haven't given me financial security. You haven't given me the job that I wanted. You haven't given me the spouse that I wanted. You haven't given me retirement. And do we do this with God? We look at all we don't have in life and we go, but God, look at what I've done for you. I love this line I read this week. The proud and the self-righteous always feel that they are not treated as well as they deserve. Ouch. Verse 30. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And how many of us do this with God? We look all around us and we see other people receiving good gifts, a job that they love or a good paying job or a husband or a wife or a car and, 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 and jealousy sits in. God, why don't you give me those things? Don't you see that I deserve them? And I go, do you relate to any of that? <laughs> no, just me. <laughs> and if you're like me, you're going, I am a terrible person. <laughs> Does God hate me? <laughs> for the way that I act? For like, I mean, when you divide my heart and you really look at what's going on there, like, can God even, does he even tolerate me? Or maybe you come here this morning and, and, and you know that, that this is you, but you don't really feel anything. You don't really care. 
And I'm so glad that Jesus tells the rest of the story. Why? Because just like every story that Jesus told this day, there's hope. I want us to notice a couple of things. Back in verse 28, it says that the father left the party. Think about that. You know, this younger son had been gone for a long time. This party is thrown. And what does the father do? He notices that someone is missing. He notices that the party is not complete because the other son is not there. And so you would think about this. You, you, you think he might send a servant or he might, he might tell him, hey, quit pouting. Get in here, quit acting like that. He leaves the party, what? He leaves the party, are you serious? He doesn't show favoritism. It's not just the rebels that God loves, it's the religious that God loves, whoa. But it's different than you think. Verse 31, listen to what he says to him. After all these accusations that the son throws at the father, verse 31, my son, my son. Regardless of your heart's disposition towards me, whether you, you look at your heart and you're serving God out of duty, whether you're serving God to get something from him, you need to know that to God, you're not a slave, you're a son, you're a daughter. He looks at us and, and, and he doesn't see a, a slave that exists just to do what God wants. God sees a child in whom God delights. My son. You are always with me. And that's an important line. Because what the father is acknowledging is I've seen all that you've done. I'm aware that you've never left home. I'm aware that, that you've prioritized me in your life, that you've spent your life prioritizing being in my presence on Sunday mornings. I've seen that, that, that you've given your life to serving. I've, I've, I've seen that you've given your life to seeking people who don't know me. I've seen you studying. I've seen you praying. I've seen that you've been close to me. It's like he's saying, I see you. I see all that you've done. And everything I have is yours, is what he says. He's not a stingy God. He's a spendthrift God, the, the word that Andrew gave to us last week. This word that means extravagant. Word that means gives all that one has, including one's best. Many of us today, man, what we discover, maybe you knew this coming in, is that we want God for what God can give to us, what God can do for us. We serve God to put God in our debt. We want God's stuff. We want wealth. We want fame. We want a relationship. We want God to do for us what we want. And we put God in our debt. And we forget that the debt that was paid by God for us. And so often we become entitled. 
we forget that, that there was a time for those of us who were religious where, where we were really far from God too. Or maybe you've never felt that way. Maybe you've always thought that, that you've earned salvation, that, that you didn't need Jesus because you're not really that bad, but the Bible tells us something different. And so even though you feel that, it's not true. Romans 3, Paul says, there's no one that is righteous for, for all have turned away. There's no one who does good, not even one. For all have sinned, all fall short of what God desires. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. For God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. You see, we are called sons and daughters and we will inherit everything that heaven has but it's only because of Jesus. Not because God owes us anything. And I understand that you work hard in your job and you're working your way up, but that's not the way that it works in the kingdom. It's not because you read the Bible or because you fasted this month. It's not because you are nice, moral people that come to church. It's only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. In verse 32 says this, this brother of yours, he was dead and he is alive again. And I just can't help but thinking about how, how Jesus is telling this story, but he knows that he's talking about himself. That as our older brother, the one who left all the comfort of the palace, the one who stepped aside from glory to, to step into our world where he was mistreated, where he was misunderstood, where he was hated, where he was mocked. And he was dead. He was killed for our sins. The fullness of our sins was placed on Jesus. The older brother, Jesus, was dead. But he's alive again. And some of you, you need to just hear that this morning. Because it's not that, that, that your sin is, is just done, right? So many of us, man, when you think about what it looks like to follow Jesus, you go, man, I, I gave my life to Jesus in baptism and now my, my sins are forgiven and I'm good with God. And it's not that, that your sins are just done and, and dealt with. It's that you've been, been given this new life. Just like Jesus. And when we realize that, that Christ died for our sins, for the fullness of our rebellion, like the things in your heart right now that you don't want anyone else to know about, that he died for those things, that he died for you. And we will not serve Jesus, trying to put him in our debt. We'll serve God out of delight. When you really get it, that your sins are forgiven. That when God sees you, he sees a son or a daughter, completely righteous. And it's only because of Jesus. We won't serve God to get things from God. No, we'll serve things, or we'll serve God to get things for God. And what you discover is that, is that what is in the Father's heart, what's in God's heart, is that God wants for all of those who are spiritually dead. That God wants for all those who are lost to be found, to be made alive. 
We realize that, that God wants every sheep that has strayed, every coin that has been dropped, every rebellious son or daughter that has run away and every son or daughter that is hiding behind a religious cloak. But what God wants is for all of God's children to come home and he wants to celebrate. He loves to celebrate. In fact, this is how the Bible ends. I was reminded of this passage of scripture, Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible. It describes what life is going to be like. And I don't know if how much of this is metaphor, how much of it is, is, is real, but, but in Revelation chapter 22, it says that there will be fresh fruit growing from, from trees every month. Again, if that's real, that's gonna be amazing. If that's metaphor, it's gonna be even more amazing. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22 says that all of our wounds will be healed. It tells that, that we will see God's face. It says that there will not be any more night. Because just like your mom always said, nothing good happens when it's dark, right? It says that we will reign forever and ever. We won't struggle. We won't be weak there will, no, there will not be an enemy. We will be with God. And this is what J Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 says. This is Jesus speaking. Look, I am coming soon. And my reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the, the beginning and the end. He says, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony, listen, for the churches. The churches of 2019. Jesus says, I am the root and the offspring of David. I'm the bright morning star. So the spirit and the bride, they say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. We can keep playing the game. Or we can step into life with almighty God. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in playing the game. I'm not interested in keeping up the appearance. I wanna know God. And I want us to know God. And I want our city to know God. So here in just a minute, we're gonna take communion. And I wanna encourage you if you're not right with God, get right with God. Confess the, the sin that has been crippling you. First John 2 says that he will forgive you. If you've wronged someone, swallow your pride, say you're sorry. If you're holding a grudge against someone, forgive them. If you come here this morning, you go, I need to give my life to Jesus. Then give your life to him in baptism tonight. Five o'clock, a time of celebration for, for people who are lost, but who want to come back home. And this is the way that you do it. And the water of baptism is this beautiful exchange, your life for Christ. 
that you go down in that water and all the things that you did, all the, 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 the choices that you made are dead. And you come up and you're given this new life, completely forgiven, completely righteous, just like Jesus. And if you're weighed down by your sin, if you're weighed down by the burden of who you were and you want transformation, step into the waters of baptism. Step into this life with Jesus. And for the rest of you, I invite you to come tonight. Come to the party. Don't have an older brother heart about people coming home tonight. Have the father's heart. It would be so easy to, to be like, man, we, we already had church. I gotta come back again at five o'clock tonight. Come to the party. And come and celebrate. I'm gonna pray for us and as we take communion, if you take a piece of bread and a cup of juice, if, if you want prayer, there'll be some men and women at the back that respond manner. I encourage you to, to get right with God with each other. If you don't know what that means, but you're going, I know I need to do that, come talk to us. I love you all. God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the, the, just the power in your scripture. The way that you've spoken to me this week. And God, I'm such an older brother. And God, I, I'm so good about keeping up the appearance. I'm so good about feeling like I um, have earned something from you. And God, I, I pray that you would expose those things in all of us so that we can really know you. So that we can, we can enjoy you as our Father. And Jesus, I pray that you would be, you would be pleased, you would be praised in our lives, protect us from the enemy. God, as, as we step into this time of eating the bread and drinking the cup, would you open our eyes to see you, to understand your love for us? It's all for you, God. In your name we pray, amen.